Welcome to Two Men in a Bible with Doyle Patrick and Jonathan Beeler. Dr. J is here today. Doyle, how are you doing? I am doing great. Yeah, it's a beautiful day outside. Uh, uh, this is the 4th of July weekend, and uh, we're supposed to get some rain, though, eventually, right? Now, you... You say it's a beautiful day outside. It's hot. It's sticky, and it's raining. Oh, wow. You know, I, I don't. I don't understand. You must be one of those glass half full guys. Well, I guess so. And you must be one of those glass half empty type of guys. Uh, definitely. Uh, okay. Definitely. Okay. Well, it is supposed to rain later, and it is sticky and humid. But God is good every day, and He gives us the fact that He allows us to wake up is 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 an awesome thing and a magnificent thing indeed. So Doyle, what's the topic today? Are we? Did I hear you say something about boundaries or something? Well, you know, I I've been I read a book a long time ago called Boundaries. Doctor um, Townsend and yeah. Cloud, I believe, are the two that great book. The, it, it's a it is a great book, and it's one that's uh, it's something that I think every couple should read because mm -hmm. it it helps a lot. Uh, I I know that it's been recommended to me uh, and to my wife on uh, times when we have gone through things. And uh, my wife is a note taker. And I got the book out the other day and come to find out there were a lot of things she underlined in there. So I don't know if it was me or if it was her. She thinks everything's important. Yeah, but uh, you know, most of the stuff was pointing at me. But anyway, that's <laughs> oh, no, oh, okay. <laughs> that, that's probably not her intent. Okay, although probably was. But anyway, um, but I think that boundaries in a marriage is something that we needed to talk about. And mm -hmm. there are so many different ways that it can be applied. Mm -hmm. Boundaries in family, in church, mm -hmm. uh, in, in home, uh, at work, in school. I mean, there's so many ways. But if you take the general principles and you apply them, I think that you can work that across all of those spectrums. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <clears throat> so God, God instituted boundaries, right? Yes, yes, He did. In Genesis, when He said, uh, <clears throat> "You will leave your father and mother and cleave to your wife, and you become one flesh," that's what He meant. <clears throat> that there are boundaries that uh, that you used to be in one household. Now you're in a new household. And God is still the the uh, in the top position of each of those, but now you're in a new position in this new family, and you have to. Although you bring a lot of the psychological baggage into it, and when I say baggage, I don't mean that it's like all negative. All negative. Right. Some of it's very positive. Um, but it's one of those things that you have to learn to use discernment. Mm -hmm. um, one of the, 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 the devotions that I have that I, I have come up every two weeks, I have this reminder come up. I always want to remind myself that it's very important that we practice discernment in every area of our life. And I think that a lot of times we have gotten to the point in society where we are teaching and hearing tolerance mm -hmm. so much that we allow things into our marriage, our home, mm -hmm. our mm -hmm. work that shouldn't be there. Uh, tolerance is a good word, but tolerance doesn't mean that if you have to accept it. Mm -hmm. it. It means that you put up with it. Mm -hmm. and it 
correct me if I'm wrong, but no, no. T- I mean, look, I want to back up for just a second, though. Sure. I think discernment. I think that discernment is something that we lack in our society, and we're seeing this in our entire society and in the church to some degree. The discernment is not just knowing right from wrong; it is knowing what's almost right, and, and still being wrong. And I think that what you're saying is when it comes into our relationships, marriage, we, we're not being very discerning. Uh, we're allowing Hollywood, we're allowing the world to kind of dictate what our boundaries are and really kick the door open and uh, just dictate what those are. Uh, and uh, it's really destroying the family, I think. I, you know, I, I, <laughs> this is one of the funniest things. You walk into a room and you say, Jesus. You divide the room. Everybody looks. It happens now. But let me just say this. If you walk into a room and you say no, everyone's going to look at you. Mm-hmm. They're going to want to know what you're saying no about. It's true. You know, that's one of the words that we can't use in church. No. Oh, yeah. That is a bad word. If someone that's comes a- up to you and says, brother, I think that you'd work good on the finance team. And I say no. All of a sudden, you are oh. a heathen. I'm what lost. have you done? I need to get that uh, saved. You know, the, the the Christian way to say no is I'll pray about it. <laughs> and that's the way that yeah. you get out of that. Yeah, for sure. But, you know, I think it's easier and it, it's more efficient. And I think that mm-hmm. it's more discerning when you say no. You remember the story about the two brothers? And when yes. when one said, the father came to him and said, hey, I need you to go and do this. And he said, no. And so he went to the other son, and the other son said, yes. Who actually did the work? The The one that said no. Yeah. You know, and the while he said no, because after he had said no and made a clear line in sand, God worked on Mm him. And I think that that happens a lot of times in our lives, too. When we refuse to take any type of job or anything seriously, I think that... uh, Anybody that's come and asked anything, like uh, I've heard this over and over from different pastors, they come to you and they say, uh, your name has been nominated for a deacon. And if you, your first response is, I am well qualified to be a deacon, something's wrong with you. It really is. It, it disturbs me. So I've often learned what they do when they come and they ask me that. I say, let me pray about it, brother. That's the spiritual. That's the that's the even though I know it's yeah, yes. Yeah. All right. The reason I say that I know it's yes is because I know what the qualifications are. I know that I'm walking with the Lord. A lot of folks that get that question, they don't know that so that they're not really qualified. to say yes, right out. And some people don't want to say they are qualified out of fear that the church will think they're proud and and they're just not. Uh, yeah. The, the spiritual thing to well, say, let me pray about that. Anyone that thinks they're qualified to be a deacon has never been a deacon. And that's true. None of us are. I mean, really, if you think about it, uh, that's true. But anyway, back to boundaries. Boundaries. What is your opinion of a husband and a wife boundaries that what what are some boundaries that that a husband and wife should put towards their family? Well, I mean, Jesus set the boundaries in Genesis chapter two. And when we look at this, uh, God created a man and a woman. He de- created the boundaries of marriage and the family dynamic, uh, not because he is being mean and not because he's a, a, a joy killer and doesn't want us to have fun in life. It's because he's protecting us and because it's his purpose and he's God. So when we look at this, 
uh, it says that a man will leave his mother and father and the two will become one flesh. And that's a woman, too, will leave father and mother. And so you have a husband and wife becoming one flesh. Spiritually, they are becoming one in God's eyes. And, and emotionally, they're becoming one. And physically, there's that oneness within the sexual relationship that brings in the oneness, the, 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 that really brings in the glory of God and also uh, is the way we reproduce and bring in the, uh, uh, we reproduce, replenish the earth and the population. So when a lot of times when I, what I see, uh, I have had premarital counseling with people in the past. I've done that. And what has happened is a lot of times uh, I'll, I'll talk to them and things are going well and we're doing our uh, premarital counseling, the initial questions, assessment, what have you. And they're saying, well, you know, we're going to live on the uh, property of my mom and dad. Mm. Because we're, we're going to, you know, really love my mom and dad and, and we're going to do this. And immediately I say, I, that's not a good idea. Why is that not a good idea? Because I mean, the land's free. The land's free or, or, or very uh, inexpensive, at least. <clears throat> and uh, you're going to be close to extended family. Well, but that's that's one against what God said. Leave and cleave. Uh, that means to cut loose. But wasn't it a biblical concept where the people would would live in groups in areas close by? They did. And, and just because they did that doesn't mean they always did it right. Uh, uh, you can, you know, and it is it possible, okay, to live on the property of your, your, your extended family and not allow them to interfere or issues to trickle down into your marriage? It is possible. It's highly unlikely. And so, you know, just because they did it in villages and things in, in, in the past, doesn't make it the right thing to do. And so is it possible? Perhaps, but not likely. And what I, what I tell people is no one, God said this, should, should create division in your marriage. Uh, you know, if your mother-in-law, father-in-law, or your father or mother, or brothers and sisters, or in-laws or outlaws, are coming into your marriage, and those problems are trickling down, creating division in your marriage. That's unhealthy. That's unbiblical. Let me tell you a story I heard. Okay, go ahead. I heard this story uh, from someone about uh, their mother. And uh, their mother was very controlling, um, manipulative, uh, liked to pull the levers, and really didn't like the wife that... Uh, her son had chosen mm -hmm. and made the statement out loud. Uh, I think you ought to divorce her. Mm -hmm. What do you think about something like that? I think that is coming straight from the evil one. I think that is a, a sin. That's wrong because God brought that marriage together. And uh, really, that's not her place to say that. You know, it, it, it was one of those stories that when you hear this, it's like, how on earth could this person possibly come up with that? And, you know, I, I understand that, you know, the uh, the person that was making the statement to the to the other person that it was uh, came from 
concern. Probably, yeah. But it, it's misguided concern. And that's one thing where I think what you're saying about this is the coming away and being separate and making your own household, mm-hmm. that all of a sudden these these decisions have to come from God because, mm-hmm. you know, the, the one flesh, uh, it, it indicates that the two of them are walking together. Mm-hmm. Now, that doesn't mean that they're always together and agree on every single no, point. No. And that's one of those things. I, I've said this in, in Sunday school class over and over again, how my wife uses psychology on me, and uh-huh. I think she making That's a toothbrush, right? Yeah, No, we're not going with that. Okay. This is even worse. Uh-huh. If we disagree on, on a decision, you know, she will relent, but she does it in a very how should I say this, manipulative way, by saying something like, to this effect, well, you're the husband, and you're responsible, so you make the decision. Do you think for one second that I'm just going to flippantly pick one or the other? I'm going to think myself through this thing again and again. I think that's evil, but, you know, that's... uh, I hate to say it, but I don't think people intend to do things. I think I think sometimes we're like puppets, uh, in a sense, because the devil has his buddies and they're whispering in our ears. And there's a lot of spiritual warfare, in short, to really, really knock down those those healthy boundaries. And I think we're seeing that in our society. I mean, we're finding out, really, uh, especially when I talk to people, marriage is almost uh, a joke nowadays. Well, um, are there any specific yeah. ways that we can can give to our 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 listeners mm-hmm. uh, any specific advice on how to set up healthy boundaries? Well, I think number one, it, it comes in with a healthy understanding of who God is, a healthy understanding of the Word of God and the boundaries that God has set up. Because once you understand the Word of God. And once you're really, really uh, into praying with your wife, your, your spouse, your, uh, you're going to start naturally setting boundaries. Uh, I also think uh, that it's important to, I'm not saying just never talk to your family again or cut people off for good. Sometimes that has to happen. But, uh, but what I am saying is create what you will permit into your family, because sometimes the 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 chains need to be broke, the bad habits need to be broke, the the uh, maybe abuse needs to be broke, and that has that can only be stopped by setting good boundaries. And I think that if you're if people in the extended family are crossing boundaries and uh, creating tension in your marriage then I think that's a bad thing, and you need to need to set better boundaries for that. Okay, let me give you another example, and let's see if that how this works. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a friend of mine uh, who came to me, and uh, his wife was cheating on him. Okay. And uh, his sister-in-law mm-hmm. had heard about it, came to him, and told him she's cheating on him. Mm-hmm. He didn't want to hear it. He didn't want to hear an accusation about his wife from her and the sister-in-law. Turns out she was cheating on him. 
She did know. She had firsthand knowledge because she was a friend of the guy that was cheating you. What? Where do you draw a line of receiving accusations or receiving criticisms about your spouse? Is there a line out there that we can draw to say, I will listen to this, but I will not listen to that? Because clearly, if he had listened to this, he could have saved himself some harm. Well, maybe he could have saved himself some heartache, but eventually they were divorced. But I, I, I'm just I'm 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 looking for something that I can that we can say to the to, to the people that are listening. Here's a one two three step of things you can and cannot should or should not listen. Are they Christians? Were they Christian? Are they Christians? Yes, he was. She's debatable. Okay. But they claim the both thing. Both, yes. Well, when you look at this, you, you have, in regards to something like that, you have to go back to what, church, what Jesus says about how to handle sin in in the church. And you go one goes, or two, and then two, and then before the church. Um, usually it stops. We usually do this anyhow. Um, so it's not like it's something that's uh, totally out there. But I, I think that when you see something like that, to go to that person and talk to them about what you see. So the a biblical thing, I think, would have been going to his wife first and, and talking to her about uh, the what, what she has heard, mm-hmm. uh, because that would have been the most biblical thing. Okay. How about in a, in a church setting, mm-hmm. someone comes to you with uh, a juicy bit of gossip. Mm-hmm. In order to not gossip, but to stay informed so that you can, I really don't know exactly how to put this, because, you know, if you listen to it, then you're gossiping, you're participating in gossip. But if you don't listen to it, then you may be stopping someone from making a legitimate accusation. Mm-hmm. Is there something that we can 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 use? Uh, and, and let me, I'll give you an example of something that I have done. We had a problem several years back where we actually had a church split. Mm -hmm. And at that time, I was uh, director of a department Mm -hmm. and we had department meetings. You remember the old days back in the dinosaurs about 20 years ago? So I was the director of the department and someone came up to me and started giving me some yeah, yeah about what was going on. And I politely told him I didn't want to hear it. Mm hmm. So then I got up during the department meeting and I made this statement. I said, I want you to understand if you're going to come to me and you're going to try to tell me about something somebody else has done, the first thing that I'm going to do is I'm going to invite you to go with me to go and talk to that person. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If you do not go with me, I'm still going to go to that person, but I'm going to tell them that you told me this. Mm -hmm. And uh, then discuss whatever it is you told me and tell them, mm-hmm. okay? And then after that, uh, if they will come back, I will come back. But if not, I will bring that message back to you. Mm-hmm. Do you know I never had anybody take me up on that? I think that's good, and that's why Jesus did it. Well, he, he stops it in the tracks. Well, here's the thing. I didn't know anything about what was going on. Right. I, I, my UPS guy at work told me about what was going on at church. And I'm like, I, I, what how did it about? get there? Yeah. 
Well, you know, and here's the thing about this. I think that I think that in some cases it's healthy to hear accusations, but in other instances it's not. Now, I think the biblical model on receiving that information is to go to that person. I think that if in a family setting, if your mother or father has something to say about your spouse, that you should take them and mm-hmm. use the same logic. I agree. Now totally. we can go and tell totally. we can go and do this together, or I'm going to go and I'm going to tell her you said. That's exactly right. Exactly right. I think that that'll straighten a lot of things out. I think there will be less accusations, and the ones that are will be resolved <clears throat> quicker. One of the things that I've learned about by being a deacon for as many years as I've been a deacon. Go ahead and pin my medal on me. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Four star deacon. I'm telling you, man. Yeah. You know, I got the scars to. But one of the things about it is, and this this happened first time I was a deacon at Manor Baptist Church. Right. Person came to me and they told me, said, I want to tell you this. <clears throat> now that you're a deacon, people are going to try to use you. Mm-hmm. And I said, use me for what? And they said, they're going to try to use you to further their agenda mm-hmm. in everything that they want. That's they're going to come to you, and they're going to use you by proxy. Mm-hmm. Said, you be careful of that. That's true. It's good advice. Mm-hmm. I've always heeded it. But I've always used that one little bit of advice that we just talked about. Well, I will go and talk to that person about it, but I'm going to tell them you said. I agree. I agree. And all of a sudden, they don't want to tell you anymore. That's true. It's true. Well, I want to bring something back here. How Jesus handled his own family. when. They were trying to cross boundaries. Mm-hmm. Have you ever thought of that? Mm-hmm. His own family. Yeah. Mark chapter 3, 31 through 35. says, Then Jesus' mother and brothers arrived. Standing outside, they sent someone in to call him. A crowd was sitting around him, and they told him, Your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. Who are my mother and my brothers? He asked. Then he looked at the seated in the circle around him and said, here are my mother, my brothers. Whoever does the will, uh, does God's will is my mother, my brother, and my sister. Uh, Hard to argue with that, isn't it? No. I mean, this was his mother, and he had had brothers and sisters. Uh, Also, we see Luke chapter 2, 41 through 51. It says, every year his parents went to Jerusalem for the feast for the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the feast according to the custom. After the feast was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Can you imagine leaving your son? This is the king of the universe, and they left him in, wow. Then they began looking for him among other relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple court, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me, Jesus said. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. 
mean, there's others, but those are some good ones that Jesus wasn't trying to disrespect his parents by any means, I don't think. Do you? No, not at all. But you know, the funny thing, I've gotten to an age where I remember all these funny stories about that. And you, you mentioned this about Jesus being left behind. Go ahead. Yeah. I had a friend of mine I grew up with and him and his parents, they used to, they lived, uh, they were from an area in North Alabama Uh and they would travel from South Alabama to North Alabama on many occasions, holidays and all of those kinds of things. And one time they were going up there and I don't remember what the holiday was, but they had decided to leave after the dad got off from work. He didn't get off from work until five, but it was late because uh, he did. uh, He was a a counselor for veterans and, you know, he was late. It was six, six thirty, seven o'clock. They finally got to pack the car and get out. So it's late. It's eight, nine. They're driving up the road. And so the mother's asleep. The dad's driving him and his brother in the back seat asleep. Pull into a gas station to get gas. He gets out and goes to the restaurant. Mother's asleep. Brother's asleep. Dad's paying attention to the gas. Dad finishes gassing up the car, gets into the car, and drives off. He goes into the bathroom. He comes out of the bathroom. There's no car. They're gone. He's about 10 years old. He took the car? The dad took the car and left. Oh, my. So the dad, the mom, and the brother are in the car. They're gone to Hamilton, North Alabama. He's in a gas station in the middle of Podunk, Alabama. Oh. So he goes to the gas station attendant and said, my mom and dad left. So the guy says, we got to sit right here. So he calls the state troopers. State trooper comes and gets him. They call ahead the state troopers. They stop them on the highway about 50 miles ahead. And the state trooper says, sir, I'm sorry to stop you for this, but uh, are you missing a child? Oh, (laughs) and he he says, of course not. And he says, my wife and my son and my. Oh, and you know, I can see how that could happen. It can happen. It really can. Everybody's asleep, except the dad's paying attention to the gas. The son goes around the backside of the car Mm -hmm. and into the gas station. Now, here's the thing about this. This is, of course, in the days before cell phones and all of this. But the policeman had the radio. They stopped him, and the other policeman put him in the car and took him up there to him. Wow. So, you know, it's it's really an interesting thing how that worked out. Yeah. But, you know, with that story of Jesus, that always comes to mind when I hear that story, because it's a it's something that can happen when everybody's distracted with other things. And the same thing was true with them. You know, the whole group was leaving. They're all chit chatting. The mom's probably with the moms and the dads over there. Oh, talking talking about about Jesus and what they're building and all of this. And, you know, and it was easy to do that. It wasn't like they were neglecting Jesus. It was was he's 12 years old. By now, that means these probably got other siblings, and the other siblings are busy doing their sibling things. Right. And he's, he's really a man. That's what yeah. they considered a... So, yeah. I, I, but I think of that story all the time of how possible that is because of that. Well, you know, Jesus made his boundaries clear. 
even as a kid, even during uh, during beginning his ministry. Uh, and he made that clear with his family. But having said that, I think some ways we can help to close things out a little bit. Number one, when we leave, we cleave. Mm-hmm. We rely we rely on ourselves and our own boundaries for financial, uh, you know, our own. We, we, we keep our problems within, within our own uh, family dynamic. We rely on God and a church uh, church support. And I think that uh, we make those boundaries clear. They're painful. But I think in the end, you're going to help everyone in the in the process and will be beneficial. I think so, too. Anything else that you want to add, Doyle, or? You know, we've covered this, and I think that one of the most important things about the boundaries issue is that we need to be responsible enough to know, uh, first off, that God is in control. Amen. And that we need to put him first in our lives, first over everyone, including our spouse and our family, and that that umbrella of coverage goes from God to family, to extended family, Mm -hmm. to church family. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think that we need to be aware of that. I agree. And and, and once again, I think communication is key here. Talking with your spouse about what you, what what boundaries are the most important? What are biblical? And go from there. Yeah, communication is very important. So, well, I hope Everyone is doing well out there. I hope everyone has a blessed 4th of July. And once again, I believe that God can take your mess and turn into a message for his glory for your good. Thank you for tuning in. Talk, let's talk to you next time on Two Men in a Bible and a Dog Barking. Take care. <laughs> have a good one. Next.